This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 4, Episode 8, Working with Editors. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. I'm Jessica. We have special guest star <laughs> Jessica Day George with us, author of numerous um, YA and or middle grade novels. We're not sure which they are. We're going to talk about that. Um, thank you for coming, Jessica. Well, thank you for having me. All right. So um, a lot of people that are new writers ask me questions about working with an editor. They seem very panicked either on one side or the other, that they're going to turn their book in and the editors are going to demand all sorts of things get cut that they want to have in it to maintain their artistic integrity or the editors are going to come and say, this doesn't have enough sex and violence, add a lot in. You're, you'd be surprised how often I get both of those. So oh. we want to do a podcast. Now, let's just throw it. Have you ever had either of those situations happen? Nope. I wish I had the second one. <laughs> you wish. I could add some swears. And <laughs> Your books would be awesome with way more sex and violence. I in think them. they would. I'm gunning for that Need next time around. Need some more girl on dragon action. I'm <laughs> okay, I read that Goodbye, one. Goodbye, It was not good. Okay. It was not um, good. By the way, this podcast is supposed to have a clean rating, so you know. Uh, let, let me change I'll just the say subject. Not good. Very briefly, by saying I actually, uh, while selling my first novel, of course, I had an offer from Tor first and then my agent said yeah that's great but let's shop it around other people and I had an editor warn me uh, in advance and say I love this I would like to buy it and I would pay more than Tor is paying but I want you to change this I want you to take all the supernatural elements out of it okay and so it, he, he warned me beforehand and so right. in my experience that was a really great thing because then I was able to look at it and consider what I wanted to do before right. okay. signing the contract. So in that case, the editor actually came to you and said, I would buy this if. Exactly. It wasn't, I buy mm -hmm. this and now change all these things. Uh -huh. I wasn't okay. locked into a bad situation. Jessica? That's good. I was turned down by Harlequin because there wasn't enough sex in the romance novel I wrote. Okay. And they would have taken it if I'd added sex to literally every odd-numbered chapter, chapter. They just told me to they, add they sex to that? all the odd-numbered <laughs> chapters. And in one of those chapters, Jessica, there was... Jessica, you could have added sex to every odd-numbered page. I probably could have. And, uh, yeah, there was um, there were actually no people in one of the scenes. And I actually said to the guy, I'm like, well, what about this? And he's like, I don't know, some farmers on the side. It was like a, you know, pastoral scene. And we're as we're approaching the manor, I'm sort of describing the scenery. And he's like saying, there could be farmers in the bushes. So you have... And I just couldn't do it. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay. So I guess we're establishing that this is something of a legitimate concern that people have when yeah. they come to me saying this. Um, and yet, at the same time, in both cases, it was a, I would buy this if, yes. not, I'm going to buy this and then force you to, no. to compromise. I told them no. They said, that's great. You ever do anything with a lot of sex in it, we'll take it. Okay. Well. Well. Yeah, at least you've got a backup plan. I do. I do. I have Harlequin in my pocket, should I feel like going over to the dark side. Um, I've actually never had any of these, either situation. Um, wow. I've... I've, I've, I've only ever had arguments with editors over little things, and we'll get to that later. But I think one thing that new writers need to understand is if the editor buys the, the book, they like the book. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And they're buying it because they like it. They're not buying it to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, now, that doesn't mean that an editor won't look at something and say, okay, I see potential in this, we're going to work on it. But I've, I, my experience has been they're always up front about the sort of things that they're going to want. 
Yeah. And in fact, when I had Alcatraz out for bids, um, the Alcatraz series, and we had, we had a, actually a bidding war going, I talked to each editor before, and I asked, you know, what, what do you envision doing to this book? What revisions? And they were all very upfront with me about what they would want to do. And I actually picked the one that wanted the most number of revisions because I thought that their vision was the best. Yeah. Um, and so I guess one thing I'd say to, to new writers is working with an editor, an editor, it, it is a relationship. And it, it's like any other relationship you have, you're going to get along with some people better than others. And in some ways, um, when, you're, when you're shopping your book around, trying to meet editors to find out if these are someone you could work with might actually be very useful for this aspect as well. Mm -hmm. um, but also at the same time, once, let's say you've sold your book, books that you've sold, have you ever had arguments with your editors over what's, what should happen if you disagreed with your editor? I'm disagreeing with my editor right now. Okay. I disagree very strongly. Uh, because my first book, Dragon Slippers, ended up somehow being marketed as middle grade instead of YA, despite the fact the girl is 16 years old, and by the end of the third book, she's married and pregnant, they're still marketing it to 10-year-olds. So now my editor is trying to make all of my other books also appropriate for 10-year-old fans that I have. So okay. every single swear is being taken out. Anything beyond kissing is being taken out. In this latest book that's coming out, there was a scene where she plays poker. Essentially, she's playing poker for her life against these evil beings. And they made me take it out because 10-year-olds shouldn't gamble. The book okay. is not appropriate for 10-year-olds. I don't think 10-year-olds should be reading it. I don't want it marketed to 10-year-olds, but my editor is adamant that they should. Well, what do you do in this situation? What, do you, um, what have you been doing? My agent and I are calling her left and right and going, please put the poker scene back in right now before she starts crying and screaming. Did, did they take <laughs> the poker scene out on you without... They had me take it out and see how I liked okay. it. And okay. I took it out and I really hated it. And so did my agent. And so did a couple other people that I had read it. It was like really fun and it was a great climax, climax to the book and a great way to end it and stuff. And, uh, and my editor is like, but, but the 10-year-old can't read about poker. And I'm like, it is not for 10-year-olds. So we're kind of okay. struggling. And is this book under contract with a, from a previous contract? Like you sold a number of books and then they gave no, you a this contract? No, it's this in is its own contract. It's, it's with Bloomsbury that all okay. my books have been under. It's my mm -hmm. same editor and it's actually the copy editor's fault and I blame her for everything. Okay. The wow. copy <laughs> editor will, at the last minute, mm -hmm. we were fine. We were fine up to the galleys. The mm -hmm. arcs are out. We got to the really? galleys and yeah. Yeah, book comes out in six weeks, and the copy, copy editor said, do you think these couple of swear words in this poker scene are really appropriate for 10-year-olds to my editor? And my editor went, oh, I think she's got a point there. Mm. Ooh. See, now, the, now that seems like a, a case where, you know, it, it's because you've already established yourself as a certain kind of author, or at least the publishing house has mm -hmm. established you as a certain kind of author towards well, a certain market. they did it, market. it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually had the opposite case, and it actually was also the copy editor um, for Mr. Monster, which comes out really soon. Um, there's a scene where John walks into a room where a woman has been tortured, and there's a pool of, like, dried blood on the floor, and the copy editor said, you know... Technically, there would probably also be urine and vomit all, of, all over the floor as well. <laughs> and I thought, you know, you're right. That's awesome. How so, does he stuck know? that in. <laughs> this was Teresa Nielsen Hayden, by the way. Oh, so was it? everyone okay. can know. Oh, well, thank you, um, Teresa, for adding vomit to Yeah. Wow. And that's, I think, also a similar situation because I have been established by the first book as, you know, this kind of very dark, very edgy thing. They just wanted to make sure it was still 
hitting that really gross. Those, those same notes. <laughs> okay. So now there's extra urine and vomit in the book. <laughs> okay. I want that on the cover. Now with more urine and vomit. Now with 10% more vomit. <laughs> now with no 200% more bodily fluids. Oh, okay. There you go. I think I'm yeah. gonna go to uh, iTunes or Bar Clean Radio. <laughs> Let's move off of this topic. Vomit. Um, come on. <laughs> Okay. Um, anyway, um, I've had an interesting relationship with my various editors that I've worked on, um, worked with, and it's always been much more of a um, a conversation than I think new authors think it's going to be. Um, I've never had an editor call me up and say, "You must do this." Never in my career. Now, that's not to say it doesn't happen. Um, I'm certain it does. But I've had ed um, editors call me up and say, "You know, I've been thinking about this. What do you think?" And we will talk it through either on the phone or an email. And it often ends up with me saying, OK, let's give it a try. Um, and so far, every time I've said, let's give it a try, I've actually liked the result better. But it's not, it's not the editor changing things. It's not the, the copy editor, in most cases, changing things. They're raising inquiries. If it's larger yeah. than just change a grammatical mistake, they don't change it. You change it as the author. Um, that's just the, the way the relationship goes in most cases. And so it's, it's been a conversation. Um, and you know, there are times when I've disagreed and I've tried to talk my editor out of making uh, or having us make a change. But um, we should probably run an ad right now. So why don't we go ahead and do a promo for um, our book of the week, which is going to be a book by Jessica. Yes. Yes. Woo. It is Sun, Moon, Ice and Snow by Jessica Day George. And tell us why they should read this book. This book is my baby. It's the only one of my books that I intended to actually write. I decided to write a version of the fairy tale East of the Sun, West of the Moon when I was about 12 and discovered the P.J. Lynch illustrated picture book. And it is my favorite story. And so I really threw a lot of stuff in it. In fact, I learned to speak Old Norse so I could have the trolls speaking Old Norse. You know, you can speak Old Norse. I can speak Old All right. Norse. All right, book okay. promo in Old Norse. Say something in Old Norse. Banahoig. Okay. It means death blow. Nice. Yeah. One of the trolls is named death blow because I was in love with that word. Bonahoig. Okay. It's an awesome book and it's, it's an audible. Yep. It's on audible and it's, um, it's a standalone, standalone. young adult-ish, like, uh, maybe middle grade. We're not sure. No, it's, it's not. That one, it's they, it's, they allowed no, that one it's young be, adult. It's young adult. Okay. It is very much young adults. Uh, do not let your children read that book. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, um, you can down child is a young adult. Unless your child is a young adult, yeah. Okay. Audiblepodcast.com <laughs> slash excuse to download your free audiobook and give Audible's um, yeah, book club a try. So nice. it's a wonderful book. You should read it. Jessica's an awesome author. Yes, I am. All right. So <clears throat> can I just say I'm feeling yeah. really left out because I don't have an editor and... You oh, you published love it authors. that way. You published authors with your editors and your royalty checks. Just quit whining and write. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Howard. You I've contributed. love it. <laughs> I do. So what do... When you agree to publish a book with a publishing house, they're probably going to demand some changes. At what extent does you do... How much will you compromise artistic integrity? Is this a consideration for you? Do you think about this, Dan? Um, yeah, there, that that one experience with uh, the publisher that that wanted all the supernatural stuff taken mm -hmm. out, I did consider it long and hard uh, because it was significantly more money. Uh, but in the end, it just didn't work for me. the The vision of the book, the relationships between the characters, didn't work the way I wanted them to. If I took that out, and so I said no. 
Um, on the other hand, uh, my the editor I, I went with, of course, Moshe, he has requested lots and lots of changes, uh, none of them that sweeping, yeah. and I have been pretty okay with all of them. But those okay. yeah, those changes have been uh, consistent with the vision that you have for the book. Mm -hmm. It's you know growing yeah. on the vision. Yeah, I realized and, and that. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that's one of the reasons I chose him as an editor. Um, even though it was less money, is because I knew that he saw the book the same way I did. And so it, it became a very good relationship, and I could see before the contracts were signed that it was going to be a good relationship because we both wanted the same things out of the book. Yeah. In 2004, uh, Steve Jackson Games was going to publish Schlock Mercenary books. And I remember sitting in Steve off Steve's office and talking to him about you know this first Schlock book we were going to do, and he was begging me for a bonus story. And I did not want to do a bonus story because that's extra work. I'd already <laughs> written the contents of the book. I don't want to write more. Uh, the for reason, free. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not for free. He thought it would sell more books, and I don't know if it has or if it hasn't. Um, I've sold enough books, obviously, to pay the bills. Uh, when you know, Steve and I went our separate ways. Um, you know, it didn't pan out for me uh, having him publish me, but I kept that idea because I realized that it was the right idea. Uh, and that's, you know, you have Steve Jackson to thank for the bonus stories in the first five slot books. Thank you, Steve Jackson. Mm -hmm. Yes. <clears throat> because of Steve Jackson, we get to see. Oh, I can't tell you. We can't say what it is I've yet. Seen the it's new good, story. though. <gasps> um, I... How do I get to be in the secret boy club? <laughs> <laughs> clean rating. Clean rating. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> Um, this is this is a, a consideration I think that every author should make and make a decision as new writers should consider what am I willing to sacrifice and what am I willing to to oh, cut yeah. or add in order to get published and I think it's something you need to be aware of but at the same time it should be something that you talk about an editor with before you sign a contract this shouldn't be a panic worry it should be mm -hmm. something you consider but instead of saying oh what's going to happen if they say add this word or take this word out or put you know this violence or sex in or things like that um, I would say on the add violence or sex thing you really don't need to worry um, my our dear listeners most of you probably don't care but the, those those you know two dozen of you that have come to me in kind of a, a serious that serious look in your eyes half panicked that <laughs> only violence and sex sells and so of course if you write something clean they are going to say no this won't sell um, you don't really need to worry uh, if the editor likes the book, they're going to like the book because of your vision for the book. And that's going to have to do with whatever you are, you are doing. If you're writing a book that is somewhat more on the risque side, that's probably something the editor is going to like. If you are not, that's probably something the editor is going to like. They're not going to come to you and say, sex sells, add more sex. They may come and say, you are writing this type of book. It's a, it's a serial killer novel. You've established this sort of thing. I think it would be appropriate in this scene to add this in. Um, or they may mistakenly come to you and say, <laughs> we've decided that you write middle grade um, because of this and you need to, to do this and this. And most of what I've had arguments with editors over are very small things. Yeah. Until this point, it really has been. It just seems to be escalating. Like they had no problems with the stuff in Sun and Moon Isis. No, which is, I mean, it's yeah. serious. It's just a PG-13 type of thing. They had no problems until just this last book or so. They're like, you know what? A lot of your fans are 10 years old. Let's make this all good for 10 year olds, which just does not suit the book. I didn't think it suited the Dragon Book. I honestly. think they're underestimating 10 years old. Well, if a lot of your fans are 10 years old, that's because those fans are reading your existing books as yeah. is and are enjoying them. You know, we exactly. should do if you dumb podcast. down the books yeah. for exactly. all 10 years old, 10-year-olds. Yeah. 
I've had 10-year-olds come up to me. At the end of the third Dragon Slippers book, it, I did not come out and say she was pregnant, but it is hinted at in the last paragraph. And I've had 10-year-olds come up to me and go, I'm so excited she's going to have her baby. Is she, are you going to do a fourth one where she has the baby? <laughs> 10 years old. They can spot it. That's awesome. So a little friendly poker to save your life. I really don't see anything wrong with that. I, I've had an 11-year-old read my book. She's, <laughs> she's, she told me it was really funny. <laughs> that 11-year-old scares me. Yeah. All right. Well, We're Neil gonna... Gaiman, sorry, Neil Gaiman always says uh, little kids love Coraline, and mm -hmm, the parents mm -hmm. always say that was the freakiest yeah. book I've ever read in my life. But little kids love it. They think it's hilarious. So, so there we go. Um, don't worry about this quite as much as you think you need to, no. dear listeners. Um, but it is something to consider. It's something to consider, and I think it's something that, that you need to, to plan on in a lot of ways. The, that's the reason the editor's there. All right. Can we have a writing prompt? Let's have you write a story about a time where an author and an editor disagree <laughs> um, about something that no one else would ever disagree about. All right. Mm. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.